0: Thank you, choir and musicians, soloists, and Brian, all of you. We thank you for leading us in worship today. Well, this is week three in our capital funds campaign uh, for future generations as we're addressing uh, giving sacrificially above our tithes and offerings uh, so that we can pay off our student center that's well under construction. If you notice today more progress was made this week even with uh, some bad weather, they started putting the roof on, part of the roof on there. So, uh, they have good weather like it looks like today it's going to be uh, that kind of weather can make even more progress. So pray for that as well. But um, the purpose of, in, in this to make sure we all understand this and we're all on the same page is, yeah, it, the, the payment for the student centers in the budget, that take about 15 years. But if we have a successful capital funds campaign and, and then couple that with uh, maybe two or three years uh, of payments out of the budget on the building, then we can pay for that sooner, much sooner. We'll save a lot of money on interest, and that will free us up to be able to address some of our other needs that we have uh, in the life of our church. Now we started looking at some scripture that would challenge us. A couple of weeks ago we looked at 2 Samuel 24 where David was told to go and buy the threshing floor for Aruna, And Aruna wanted to give it to him if you remember that. And David comes up with a classic statement about sacrificial giving. And he said, I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So our sacrificial giving is something that, that, that cost us. And every one of us who has had the opportunity to share testimony about that, has been talking about some things we are going to sacrifice so that we can have that extra money to give. Last week we looked at um, the story of people in 1 in Chronicles 29 actually giving the money for the building of the temple. David wasn't going to get to build it, but Solomon was. And so they followed this pattern that David gave, and he gave very generously. And then the leaders of the church followed his example, and they gave. And then the rest of the people in the, in the congregation saw what their leaders had done and they followed that as well. And they gave generously, they gave willingly, they gave lovingly. And the result was then uh, that the temple was built for the glory of God. I, I think that I said in this 11 o'clock hour last week that uh, this Sunday we would look at uh, one of the miracles that Jesus performed that's in all four Gospels. Uh, did I say, was it in this hour I said that last week? Oh, y'all forgot about that completely. Hmm? Forgot about, well, do you know which one it is? If you've already read the Scripture you might ought to pick up, huh? It's the feeding of the 5,000. And I find that so interesting that of all the miracles that Jesus performed that are recorded and those that weren't recorded, this one uh, was recorded by all four of the Gospel writers. And uh, it, it's the favorite of a lot of people. Especially favorite of a little boy who said that he loved the story uh, uh, that Jesus told about the little boy who loafed and fished. That was all he wanted to do. Now, let's look at the reading of the scripture and see it uh, from John's Gospel, uh, chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, and we'll read through verse 13. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Eight months wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, Here is a a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated As much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Amazing story, isn't it? No wonder it's recorded uh, by all four of the gospel writers. And what's at the very heart and core of this miracle is not just uh, not just uh, that, that Jesus performed the miracle and fed a lot of people with a small amount of food, but it's, it, it, it talks to us about uh, insufficient resources facing an impossible situation. And that might just address where a lot of you might be today in your life. And as you are sitting there thinking about the possibility of making uh, a contribution to our capital funds campaign you might be thinking oh, I've got insufficient resources from day to day. How can I make a sacrificial gift? And then there are other issues and areas of our life where we face demands bigger than our resources. And so the central theme of the Gospel is that Jesus has come to meet our insufficient resources. Now what do we, what, what we include in that? Well we can conclude the fact that in our, in our state before we know Jesus, none of us has the amount of resources to buy or earn our salvation. We don't have enough righteousness to do that. We don't have enough strength to, to deal with, to overcome, and to handle all the issues of life when we have to live it on our own. And then you think about a, a commitment to the capital funds campaign. You might say, you know we don't have enough money to make it week to week or make ends meet and I don't have anything to give to the capital funds campaign. A philosopher Ray Bradbury sums up our life and our society this way. We are an impossibility in an impossible universe. Now with that thought in mind that this is about uh, insufficient resources meeting uh, a, a tremendous need Then think about that the miracle in our Scriptures for today is the insufficient resources facing an impossible situation. Look at the summation of what happens. Jesus has crossed over the Sea of Galilee. The crowds are flocking there to hear Him. Uh, And and through the various accounts in the four Gospel writers there is teaching, there is healing, there is that concern that Jesus has. Many people come to Jesus. They want to be there. They want to follow Him. They want to hear His words. They want to see Him healed. They want to be healed. Then it comes late in the day and there's no food available. And verse 10 tells us that there were at least 5,000 men. And if you throw in then uh, the women and children who were not counted because of the culture at that time, that crowd could have swelled to about 20,000 in capacity. Now, here's the very heart of the drama that we see. All that stands between that horde of, of hungry uh, Hebrews is a little boy with a, with a sack lunch, and it's five barley loaves. The, the, the meager uh, bread of the poorest of, of the people, and two little fish. And then if you really understand, you take it a little bit deeper to understand what kind of lunch he had, then you'll understand that he had five little barley loaves of bread. And instead of the two fish being whole fish they were ground up into and kind of made into kind of like a paste. And so what you might end up with is saying that what this little boy had to offer was two tuna fish sandwiches. And that's all they had to give, but that he was willing to give it. And Jesus took that in, impossible, in an impossible situation, the insufficient resources, and he fed everyone who was there and they had 12 baskets left over. 12 baskets of food left over from five barley loaves and two little fish ground into a paste. Now, in the hands of Jesus a little is more than enough. I think that's what you need to focus on today. That's what that miracle just shouts to us when you put your meager resources, your money, your energy, your time, your effort, your abilities all in the hands of Jesus, a little is more than enough. Now, I want us to consider at least three spiritual principles I see highlighted in this story. First of all, Jesus came because we never have enough to meet the needs of life. You ever thought about that? Usually we think about Jesus just coming to be our Savior and to die for our sins. But look how compassionate he was in this story. He knew the time of day. He knew the people were hungry. He wanted to do something to meet their needs. And that's the reason he came was to meet our needs, all of them. Because in every area of our life our resources are insufficient. We've already talked about that in terms of salvation. We don't have the resources to buy or earn our salvation. On our own we do not have the strength, power, and ability to deal with the conflicts of life. We cannot make everybody happy. Everybody, uh, you you can't do that always in your family. We certainly can't do it in the life of the church. You know, somebody's got not going to like this, somebody's not going to like that, somebody won't like this, somebody wants that and wants this and the other. We can't make everybody happy. We can't stop the wars. We can't solve America's problems. And then we all have our issues that we deal with, financial issues, health issues, family issues. And we can't fix them on our own. But because Jesus came to us, He knows what our needs are. And in the midst of our insufficient resources, He brings the abundance. He brings the abundance that only He has that will allow us to overcome any circumstance, to deal with any obstacle, to meet salvation, and to experience that. Now while we are in the midst of this capital funds campaign, asking you to prayerfully consider a sacrificial gift that you will make, I also understand that, um, that many of you have some other issues that you're dealing with. There are family issues, there are health issues, there are job issues, and there, there's, there's money issues. Some of you are feeling a, a crunch. I want you to know that that's a concern for me. If I know about it, I pray for you. And I also want you to be aware of the fact that Jesus knows and that he cares and that that's why he came. Don't miss that in the story. Don't think that all we're focusing upon is asking for money. I want you to see in this story that Jesus has come to meet every need that you have in life and to provide all the resources that you need. Now, it comes about in a time of of some difficulty sometimes when Jesus comes to us. We find that indicated in verse 4 tells us that the Jewish Passover feast was near. This was a time that the Jewish people celebrated the fact that God delivered them out of Egypt. And that He led them through the wilderness for 40 years before they reached the promised land. And for us we have to understand that oftentimes it's in those wilderness times, in the desert times, in the tough times that God shapes us and molds us to be the people of faith that He wants us to be. When Helen Keller learned to communicate she communicated this message. She said character is not developed in ease and quiet. Only in the wilderness of trial and suffering is the soul made strong. I've found that to be true in my life, and probably you have too. And, and you look at how God has done that to so many other people. Very briefly, think, think about Moses. He was a prince while he lived in the palace of the king, but he became a prophet and a leader of the people of God when he went through the desert experience. David wrote most of his Psalms when he was in the desert. Experience in the, the wilderness there. John wrote his revelation on a deserted island. And Jesus began his ministry in the wilderness where he went to be tempted. And showed us how you use the Word of God to deal with the, the temptations that Satan throws at us. In every one of those situations there was inadequate resources to meet the challenge of that day. Now that's why when the Passover was near Jesus had that it drew that multitude of people out into the wilderness. He wanted them to have a taste of, of the Exodus and what their ancestors had experienced before them. And so I want you to understand that the reason Jesus came is because you are in a wilderness situation today. I don't know what it might be. You do. God knows. And He cares about it. And He sent Jesus Christ because we do not have the adequate resources to deal with with the imminent issues and concerns that we face every day. So, remember that when you look at this miracle. Secondly, remember that there is no impossible situation with God. You see, big needs and inadequate resources are the circumstances where God loves to do His work. Because it shows His glory, and it shows His power. When you look at verses 5 and 6, the story tells us that Jesus already had in mind the solution to that problem that was before Him. But He let the disciples struggle with it for a while. Just like He lets us struggle with it until we come to that point of trusting Him, being obedient, and following after Him. I would love to have been there and seen the look on Philip's face when Jesus said to him something like this, why don't you figure out how we are going to feed this multitude of people. And I don't know exactly what kind of mind Philip had, but he must have had a pretty good mathematical mind because he did some figuring and he said, eight months worth of wages wouldn't even buy enough bread that everybody could just have a bite of the bread. You know I've often thought that in the disciples if there was an engineer it was Thomas because Thomas had that analytical mindset you know. He said I got to see it to believe it. I got to put my hand in the wounds you know and touch that. I've come to think that maybe if there was an accountant in the group, it was Philip, that he could count this up. And he says, you know, this is what it's going to cost and We don't have anything, you know, eight months, eight months salary to pay this crowd to buy food, just to have a bite of food to eat, you know? And so he was the one that maybe he helped Matthew, who was the tax collector, keep his books and his records straight. But that was Philip's reaction. I imagine his jaw probably dropped open when the Lord said that to him. And the scripture also says that he did this to test him. And the interesting is that the word for testing in the Greek is used to describe a workout in a gymnasium. It literally means to strengthen someone by pushing him to the limits of his endurance. You know that process if you work out. You add weight to the, to the weight set. You keep moving and moving. And, and, and the process is you are in a continual process of tearing down the muscles and letting them grow back stronger. And sometimes you might think that if you've got a personal trainer, that he or she is working you too hard. If you went through uh, military, you had to go through boot camps, through some kind of training, you know, basic training. And and you might think that drill sergeant is just going to kill you with what he's doing. But if he knows what he's doing, then he knows how much to push you. And that's the way it is with God. God calls us to persevere under trial and to persevere under the times of adversity because He already has a solution in mind That's what we are facing. See, Jesus pushes us beyond what we think is possible, but He never pushes us too far. See, the problem isn't that Jesus overestimates our capacity, but that we underestimate it. Now, I want us to look at the three characters involved in this story and look at the faith that they had. First of all, there is Philip. And I think Philip was a man who had faith by the numbers. We kind of alluded to that just a moment ago. He's good at math, but he wasn't good in, in, in faith math because he didn't take into account the fact that God was there. See, this was kind of like a, a midterm exam for these, for these followers. And I would think that you have to say Philip failed it, he flunked it because he said, Even if we had this money in other places, it's translated that way. There's no place we can go and buy it. Even if we had the money. He added that thought in other translations. He he had the insufficient funds. That's all that he saw was the challenge before him. He didn't realize with Jesus right there that Jesus had an answer that was just waiting. You see, faith math calls us to look at what we have But also trust in God to provide and to challenge. And as you think about making your faith commitment, your sacrificial commitment, and you might think, I've got inadequate resources for that, look to God for that. Larry Pollan uh, of Master Meter International kind of describes it this way He says, Nothing God calls me to do is ever impossible. Think about that. Nothing that God calls me to do is ever impossible. And you might want to write this down that God never gives us a vision without the provision. Now he's not going to drop that money out of heaven for us for for paying for the student center. But he's going to put it in your pocket. He's going to put it in your bank account. And he trusts you to have faith math so that you will give sacrificially and generously. So that he can work through you to solve the problem. So, Philip is an example of one who limited, had limited faith. Now, look at Andrew. Andrew is the second character we'll look at. I would say that Andrew is the one who has faith that keeps looking. And every time you see Andrew mentioned in the scriptures specifically, he's bringing someone to Christ. First of all, he brought his brother Simon Peter. You might think at the very beginning, well that wasn't much because Simon was a fisherman, he was loud, he was boisterous, he, uh, he had emotion swings that, were just, that would drive anybody crazy. Then the second place we see him is here, bringing a little boy who had a sack lunch. And the third time we see Andrew is he's bringing a group of pagan Greeks who want to meet Jesus. Now I would also love to have been there that day to see how Andrew worked. You know, did did this little boy just happen to come up to Andrew and say, I got my lunch, my mama packed this morning. Or was it Andrew who had already made a relationship with him and started talking to him and saw perhaps the little boy was there alone. Why else would he have had the lunch? If it was their mom and dad, they would have had something, wouldn't they? And I often wonder too about the little boy. Why did he have a lunch packed? Had he cut school that day to follow the crowd, following Jesus? Don't know. But anyway, he and Andrew hooked up. And Andrew comes to Jesus and he says, "Here is a boy with five barley loaves and two small fish." And then he shows a little bit of doubt. He says, "But how far will that go among so many?" How do you think Andrew did on his midterm exam? I think Peter flunked it. I mean, uh, Philip flunked it. what kind of grade would you give uh, Andrew on his? How would you grade you Are a college professor? What would you give him? A what? I'd give him a C minus. I'm a tough grader. I'd give him a C minus. That's what Jesus gave him. You know, He said, well, here's a, here it is. Here's a little boy's food. But how far will this go? How much faith did he have? Well, he had enough to bring that at least. I think Andrew is one who sets the example for us of never giving up, always seeking, always looking. And if we could live the way that he do- did setting that example of always bringing somebody to Christ. Andrew never gives up. With a C-minus, he's got to keep working, pull that grade up from the midterm. Then we also want to look at the boy. We don't know who he is, don't know where he came from, don't know his name, don't know why he was there, don't know why he had a lunch pack. Don't know if he really liked. Maybe he didn't want what he had in his lunch. Maybe he didn't like those little fish, whatever you want, fish mush sandwich or whatever. But he was willing to give it. And I think the little boy is an example of faith that acts on a little bit. See Andrew was right. The little boy's lunch wasn't enough but when he put it in the hands of Jesus that's where the miracle took place wasn't it. And so the challenge for us one of them anyway out of this story for today is you know do you, do you have that faith to believe that whatever you put into the hands of Jesus will become enough. Well your insufficient funds become a miracle in the hands of Jesus you know that's what we're asking in the midst of some economic downturn the economy's maybe showing some signs of coming back the housing business may be showing some signs of coming back the market's had a pretty good run lately Uh, consumer spending is up a little bit all of that giving us some positive outlook on on um on on the on the financial world for for now But at the same time some of you are still getting over some things. Some of you are dealing with downsizing that still is affecting you. And you got other issues. Well, anything that you have when you put it in the hands of Jesus he multiplies it. And he takes anything and he makes it adequate. Now here's here's the third truth I think in this story. And that is that the miracle does take place when it's in the hands of Jesus. You look at verses 10-13 through 13, I think we find some things taking place that show the faith Jesus had. First of all he gave thanks for the bread and thanked God for what he was going to do even before he began the miracle because he knew what God was going to do. He had that faith to know that whatever was placed in his hand that God could take it and make it abundant. He thanked God for it. Everybody had the abundance of food to eat. There was all-you-could-eat buffet there for free. And then there were 12 basketfuls left over that they were able to pick up. Nothing was wasted in the economy of God. And the real issue is that miracle took place when what was given was put in the hands of Jesus. If you read this miracle in Mark's Gospel and you look at the way the verb flow goes in the Greek, you will see that it tells us that Jesus kept on breaking off piece after piece after piece of the bread. And the reality is that the miracle took place in the hands of Jesus Christ. So, what do we draw from this today? Oh, no, it's not just all about giving sacrificially, your little lunch, your, your five loaves, and your fish, which you might look at your resources and think, that's all I have. You know, if that's a sacrifice for you to make and you give, that's, that's all that God is asking you to do. He will provide through you and through all of us as we give faithfully and generously. But I, I think we can weave it all together and say from the very beginning that Jesus came because He had to meet all of our needs. In ourselves, by ourselves, we're totally inadequate. We have insufficient funds for every circumstance in life. So I would suggest to you this: if you have not come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, you need to experience salvation. Remember that Jesus came, died upon the cross for your sins, carried those sins away, and you can be forgiven. You can know the freedom from guilt and shame for your sins. You can have a personal relationship with God. See, so He came to meet that need because on our own there was nothing we could do to make ourselves right with God. Now, you need help facing an overwhelming situation, whatever it might be. Some of you got money issues, family issues, health issues, parenting issues. Some of you have issues, uh, not troublesome that the parents are in trouble, but you've got aged parents that are concerned for you. You know, take all that concern that you have and give it over to God in prayer. Put them all in the hands of Jesus and let him take that. Jesus said, come and take my yoke upon me and learn from me. He says, my yoke is light and the burden is easy to bear. You know, if you're a heavy burden, come and find rest under Jesus with all the issues of life. And then what about then our capital funds campaign? This is the third out of four. Next week is the last one. I will tell you that right now. You can invite everybody else to come back after that, okay? So how does that affect your commitment to, to the capital campaign for future generations? He says, whatever you have to offer. When you put it in the hands of Jesus, He makes it adequate to face the challenge before you. So you give what you can. That's why we say not equal gifts but equal sacrifice. And I believe if every one of us would earnestly pray and ask God to examine us, to reveal what we have, help us prioritize some things in our life... That we all could find something even like a small sacrifice like the little boy had to give sacrificially. If you are capable of giving a large gift then God wants you to give a large gift. If you are capable of giving a medium sized gift then God wants you to give a medium sized gift. If all you are really truly capable of giving is a small gift that might seem insignificant give it because all of it counts in the Kingdom of God. That is faith math. That is what Jesus was teaching that day. I want to close by this story. There's an image on your screen of, of a painting entitled, Old Woman at Prayer. And it's done in, uh, by 17th century Dutch artist, Nicolaes Mays. And, and he actually visited this lady uh, in her home. And you can tell by the painting that it's probably uh, the home of a peasant. You can see in her, the lines of her face when you look close that she's had a long, hard, difficult life. You see her hands are all gnarled and scratched from a, from a hard life that she's lived. And you look at the table and all that's on that table to eat is a small bowl of soup and half a loaf of bread. And interestingly she asked the artist to stay and eat that meal with her. And so she bowed in prayer. He bowed with her. And then when she ended in prayer thanking God for that abundance she said look at this. All this and Jesus too. You see when we look at our resources to us they might look totally insufficient. But when we have that faith to commit them to God and to trust in that and to see what He has given us along with Jesus, then we ought to have that same attitude. All this and Jesus too. All this and Jesus too. So my challenge to you out of this great miracle today is if you have a need for salvation, then come to Jesus. Place your life in His hands. Experience the forgiveness that only He offers. Whatever issue you are dealing with, whatever it might be, put that in Jesus' hands. Let Him work a miracle with it. And as you pray about your gift to the Capital Funds Campaign, pray about what God really wants you to give. Ask Him to reveal to you the areas of your life where you can find resources to give that He can multiply. I do believe that when God gives the vision, He gives the provision. And it comes through the people like you and like me. Willing to alter our lifestyle and make some sacrificial changes. Pray with me. Father, Uh, Thank you for this uh, beautiful, wonderful story of this miracle that Jesus performed. Uh, Help us to uh, not just marvel at what He did, but help us to understand the reason that Jesus did. And so that we might understand uh, the the faith that you operate on uh, and the faith that we should have in our life as we come like the little boy and offer all that we have and that you take it and that which is insignificant you make it to be an adequate resource to meet needs. For all the needs that are here before you I pray Father that people here will have faith to commit them to you for your blessings. Father make us adequate through the presence of Christ in our life. Give us the abundance of resources as we place them in your hands and watch what we give to you be multiplied through the kingdom math and we see your kingdom grow. And Father these things I pray and ask in the name of Christ our Savior, our Lord. Amen.